This series called Vital Connections. It's all about um, connect, getting back connected. In the last several years, you know, with all the things that have been going on, uh, I think churches, uh, I know churches, including ours, has faced some division and some struggle and, and all of that piece of that, and, and that happens. Uh, we get isolated from one another just from not being together, um, those sorts of things. But it's time to come back together. And in fact, that is the mandate of Christ, that we be together. And so we kind of started out talking about the 11th commandment. Y'all remember the 11th commandment? Love one another. You got it. Good. Let's say it together. Love one another. Good. Uh, And then we kind of talked about what does that look like? Well, Jesus in in chapter 17 of John, his kind of final prayer for the people was that we would be one. Of all the things he could pray for, he prayed that we would be one. Uh, In essence, we talked about that. And then last week, we kind of talked about the importance of authenticity, right? And the only way you can really be authentic and transparent is in a circle. So we talked about the fact that circles are better than rows. Amen? Okay, you're in rows now. I talk, you listen for the most part. Uh, but in a circle, you can share and you can love one another and you can get connected. And so that's in a huge uh, part of it. So uh, this morning, uh, well, let's look at our memory verse uh, together here. Uh, okay, I didn't get this turned on in time, Marilyn. Sorry. There we go. Okay, so um, and let's say this together. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So what we're going to talk about today, uh, I think, is, is a lot of fun because it's, it's kind of a metaphor. Uh, so the, the question is this. That's not the question. <laughs> there we go. Uh, what does it mean to be the body of Christ? I mean, that's a strange metaphor in Scripture, that you are the body uh, of Christ. And so uh, we kind of assume that we understand what a body is because we all have one, right? We don't have any ghosts here without bodies. If you're a ghost, raise your hand. No? Okay. Um, So we all have one, and we kind of have this idea that we understand what it is. So I thought before we figured out the analogy part to to what it means to be the body of Christ, we should make sure that we all have some understanding of what human bodies uh, are are like. Uh, So I I thought that that maybe it'd be fun to have a pop quiz. Yep, for a pop quiz. You're all going, that's not fair. You're a preacher, not a teacher, man. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll, we'll see. How, you, how many think you got a pretty good grasp of, of, of the body? We do have some medical people, so maybe you'll get all of these questions uh, right. So uh, the first question is this. How many bones in the human body? A lot. Yeah, I get that answer. It's eight o'clock. That was the consensus, a lot. Okay, so in the human body, in adults, between 206 and 213, and for infants, 270. And I guess they fuse as they go along, uh, and, they, and they get a little bit older. So that seems like a lot of bones. Anybody able to name them? You know, the hip bones connected to the... No, that's not it. So, uh, so let's try another one here. We'll do better. How many major organs? 78. I just looked that up, and they said major, so I don't know what the not major organs is. Personally, I have none that I would like to do without, but, but you know, okay, 78 major organs. Um, if you laid uh, in, into end all of the blood vessels, arteries, veins, and capillaries in your body, how long would that be? How big? Anybody got a guess? 200, what? 200 miles? Others? I'll tell you that's low. 60,000 miles. Isn't that a lot? 
<laughs> and here's, here's what 60,000 miles amounts to. You can go around the world twice with that, right? Doesn't God create wonderfully, you know? I mean, our bodies are really an amazing sort of, uh, sort of piece of engineering and, and kind of artwork, okay? So how many muscles? And that one came up, 60, I'm sorry, 600, I mean. So y'all got that one right, 600? Okay, everybody, everybody got that one right. Good, good, 600 muscles. Uh, how many times a day does the human heart beat? I don't think, I think I missed this one. I'll come back up. Sorry, that slides out of order. How many time, how many neurons and non-neuronal, medical people, what is that, neuronal? I don't know, cells in the brain. Anybody got a guess as to how many uh, neurons you have in your brain? What? Uh, got to be louder. Three billion, five trillion. Okay, what they told me where I looked up is 86 billion neurons. 86 billion neurons. And then non-neurons, but cells in your brain, you have 85 billion of those. So what's that, 170 billion cells or something in your brain? I mean, it's just amazing what God has done. When, when we talk about a body, it's like, in some ways, the greatest part of God's creation uh, is the body, okay? So how many times a day does the human heart rate beat? I missed that one again. Anyone got to guess 100,000? Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, and that is 35 million a year and 2.5 trillion in an average lifetime. Be kind to your heart. It works very, very hard for you. Um, so um, here's what the Bible says. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is part of it. Now you are the body of Christ. You think about the body of a human, how complicated that is. Now we're talking about the body of Christ, okay? And every one of you are, are a part of it. With all of the, the bones and muscles and neurons and all of that stuff, imagine the complexity of the body of Christ if your human body is just that, com that complex, okay? So when you became a follower of Jesus, you became a part of his body. No exceptions, no refunds, no returns, all sales final. If you're a part of Christ, if you are following him, you are a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. Eh, one more time. You are a part of the body of Christ. Yeah, so take your Bibles with me and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 27. I'm going to do a few verses. I'm going to skip some in the middle, and then I'm going to go to the end because we don't have time to do, so do the whole thing. So let me set this up for you. The church at Corinth, who Paul is writing to, is fighting. In fact, it's a very unhealthy church. There's some real sinful things going on in there. Uh, but one of them is they're very divided over, they're all divided over several issues, but one of them is they're divided over spiritual gifts. Basically, you got folks saying, my spiritual gift is better than yours, and mine is more important than yours. And by the way, mine says I can tell you what to do. You can see how that would be a very unhealthy environment in a church uh, pretty fast. And so uh, Paul, Paul is trying to pull them uh, together uh, to understand that, that each of you are individuals, but we are also collective. And he's going to do a, a list of spiritual gifts. That's the part I'm going to skip over uh, just uh, in just a minute. So he's trying to help them understand. And so he turns to this metaphor uh, of the body. So beginning in verse 12, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts. Amen? Okay, we just looked at the many parts. But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Say, so it is with Christ. 
Right. There's just lots and lots of parts, but it forms one uh, body. And I do want to kind of just take issue here a little bit with the translation part. The word parts kind of sounds like mechanical sorts of things. But in the original language, the idea of, of part is actually the idea of a member. You are a membership of something, you know. It, it, it's like, you know, with a car, you can take the carburetor out and put a carburetor back in. Cars don't really have carburetors anymore. I'm dating myself, okay. You can, you, you can take parts out and you can put them back in. But a member is something, if you lose a member of a family or you lose a member of the church, you know, that's, that's more personal. That's much more connected. And so uh, whenever you see the word parts, that's what they're kind of talking about uh, right there. It's, it's a sense of belonging uh, together. Uh, and, and you form one body, okay? You form one body, many parts, one body. I, I think I see this best uh, in, in some of you. Some of you have classical cars. How many of you have like a classical car or a hot rod or something? You have what we call a date car, right? You know, I go out on that. <laughs> so um, I was with one of our members who was helping out with our church van. Lord bless him, church vans are a curse, man. Um, and and, and he says, you know, I, I kind of restore cars. So I'm thinking, you know, some little restore car. We get there, you know, he opens the garage and there's like two beautiful hot rods. And all of a sudden I was 17 again. I just wanted to drive them fast someplace, you know. But then he had another one he was working on. And it's like in parts everywhere, you know. And, and so which of those is a, is a hot rod? Well, both. Both, right? One has got it all together and gone. One is in parts. But, but if you, you, could, you could literally take the one that's all together apart, and I couldn't put it back together. But, but is that, and that's what he's saying. You are both a whole bunch of diverse things and one thing all together because you move and form life together. So verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit, okay? One, one baptism. So as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given one spirit in Christ. Uh, and so we form one body because of the baptism. And you'll hear us talk about baptism is the thing that, that, that unites us, that when we are baptized into Christ, we are a part of the body of Christ together, and we are all a, a part of it. So, uh, so then, you get, I'll hit this real quick. He says, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And this is one of the things they were fighting about, right? There, there was prejudice in there, the religious you know, racial prejudice between Jews and Gentiles. Jews thought they were better than Gentiles. And in places like Corinth, they tended to think they were better than the Jews. So you got that going on. And then you got kind of this economic power thing between the slave and the free. And Paul's comment in all of this is, just so you're clear, the rules from the outside are not the rules that apply in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, man nor woman. Amen? Okay, so I, I know we live in a world where all that goes on out there and it's considered perfectly acceptable, but not in God's kingdom, not in his body, not in this place, okay? So uh, now verse 24, I'm skipping down. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to parts that lacked it. So um, this is what I love. God has put the body together. Say that with me. Yeah, not you, not me, not some TV preacher, not any of that. God is the designer and the creator of my physical body and the body of Christ. That's good news, right? Because he knows our bodies and he understands them. And I'm so thankful for medical professionals. I believe all medical professionals have the gift of healing, right? Some people confuse that with supernatural. But if you look at the spiritual gifts, one is the gift of miracles and one is the gift of healing, 
which means healing often happens outside of the context of a supernatural sort of spiritual thing. And I just believe all medical professors, you are doing, you're doing ministry uh, in this, in our, in our bodies. And now God says, not only is he the creator of that, but he is the creator of the body of Christ. God has created what's happening right here. You are here on purpose. You are here by God's design. If you're a part of this fellowship, God has a purpose and a direction and a thing for you in this place. God is the one that put the body together. Brought all of those pieces together, okay? So, God put the body together, which means you don't get to pick your role in Christ's body. Bummer, huh? Bummer, because we always had wanted to be, I grew up in the church, right? So I will confess to you that I have had spiritual gifts envy over the course of my lifetime. I wanted to be what Kramer is. I wanted to be able to sing beautifully. I sing. Yeah, you get the idea, right? You know, I always wanted that. It's just, it's just a, a part of it. So I always kind of feel when I think about this, how many of you were like in a kid's play like when you were in grade school or anything like that? Any of you in that, you know? And, and I always wanted to be the star. I wanted to be the one that, you know, all the great lines, you know, through all of that. But, but here's what I, I, I've decided. Everybody wants to be the star. Nobody wants to be the tree. Any of you play a tree, don't raise your hand. We won't confess to that, Okay. But the truth of the matter, most of us are trees. Very few of us are superstars. I'm not Billy Graham or Andy Stanley, you know. It's just, I, I'm never going to be a great nationally known pastor and be really insightful. I'm just not. I'm, I'm just a faithful pastor that loves my congregation in Marysville, Washington. I'm a tree. Just doing, yeah, you know. Uh, that wasn't meant to come out like that. <laughs> And you are a faithful people that are following God in Marysville, Washington. This is our thing. Marysville, Washington, you know, I, I, you go very far away and people don't know where Marysville, Washington is. When I moved here from Kansas City, I had to tell them I was going to Seattle because they had no idea where Marysville was, right? It's okay. It's okay. We are being what God called us to be and doing what God has, has designed us to do. God individually designed you and me to be part of his body. Let's embrace the blessing. Amen? Let's be what he wants us to be. So here's what happened. Paul goes on uh, when people get disgruntled uh, about their role in the life of the church. They don't like their spiritual gift or what God's called them to be or what part of the body uh, they're meant to be. So 25, so that, okay, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it, and one part is honored, every part is honored with it. And the, the word di that no division actually is the idea for dissension. It's actually the Greek word from which we get the English word schism, right? Schism, I don't know if you've ever used it. Any of you used the word schism last week? No, probably not. Here, some of you are going like, what is schism? Schism like was what they described when churches had huge splits. It's like a really strong sort of, sort of word. Uh, and so he's, this is a serious thing Paul is telling them, okay? So then it goes on, uh, in the body that its parts should have equal concern. And concern isn't really strong enough. When we think about concern, we think about, okay, well, I feel sorry for that person. Yeah, you know, I hope things get better. Maybe we'll pray for them a little bit. The Greek word there actually carries the idea of actively promoting someone's interest, of getting involved, 
of, of helping them, of, uh, of doing more than just like, oh, I feel sorry for them. This is way past I feel sorry for them. This is the idea that, that within the body of Christ, we actually help each other. We promote one another. We encourage one another. We, we, we get in each other's business. Not too much, but we get in each other's business and, and get connected through all of that. And then in each other, which is, if guys remember this word? Let's test your Greek. Remember the word from last week for each other? Alelon? Say alelon. Yeah, it means each other, each one individually, okay? And this is, I love this next part. Um, and every part, when every part suffers with it, if one suffers, every part suffers. If one is honored, every part rejoices with it. Every part suffers. I'm just going to be real frank right here for a minute. There are way too many self-inflicted wounds in the body of Christ. We hurt one another. Sometimes people do it intentionally. We deliberately fight amongst one another. We fight about things that don't matter for eternity. And, 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 and he's saying to them, when you do this, he's talking to this church that's fighting with each other. He's saying, when you do this, everybody suffers. You suffer when you do that to one another. And all the people, it's not just a simple kind of one-on-one -on -one thing that we're all connected to one another, okay? We hurt one another way, way, way too much. Can we give that up? You know, Lent's coming up. So during Lent, maybe we can give up hurting one another for Lent. Would that be a good idea? You know, try that, so... And then the last part, and we when one is honored, every part rejoices. Now, I want to, this is a little personal theology here, but this is one of the places from which I get the authority to use the phrase, holy party. Say, holy party. Yeah, when one part is honored, we should all holy party. We should be a holy party church, building one another up, encouraging one another, Amen. I mean, look, at we got NYC coming up, man. We should be encouraging our teens to go. That is so powerful. It was life-transforming for me like 100 years ago when I went, you know? It, it, and I've seen it done in my children and, and so many people. And when they come back, they're going to give a report, and I expect you guys to stand up and applaud from time to time during the report. Yeah, don't look at me like that, okay? <laughs> you know I'll make you do it, all right, you know? Why? Because we want to honor our teens and our children, and we should be a church where children and teens just feel like God loves them because those people love them. Because far too often churches aren't like that. It's straighten out those kids. That's not what God said. Okay, so the body only survives through interdependence. It's built that way. It, 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 it does, you know. Um, so here's the way I, I'd like to illustrate that. If you had to give up one of these two things, which one would you give up? What's the wise, important choice? Either you have to give up your heart or you have to give up your lungs. Oh yeah, you're dead either way, right? So that, that's what interdependent means. You, you, you need one another, you know? The heart doesn't suddenly say, well, those lungs aren't doing their part, so I quit, right? You know? And it doesn't work like that. Or, or the kidney doesn't say, I'm tired of cleaning up after that stomach that keeps putting all kinds of stuff in the blood. And the stomach says, well, I'm tired of mouth that keeps putting stuff in the me, and then I got to put it in you, and you yell. That's not the way our bodies work. It just doesn't, you know? It's, it's ridiculous to think about that. Even the human body, parts must serve one another or they all die. That's the bottom line in that. In fact, God has designed us in such a way that we need others to realize our full potential. 
You need one another. We need one another. Lone rangers do not make it in the body of Christ. We are interdependent. We are connected to one another. And here's how I think about this. How many of you ever puzzle people? Any of you do like, you know, lots of puzzles? You like puzzles? People will do like big, you know, thousand pieces kind of thing. I could never figure those out, so I don't do that. But here's what I think. What if I were to give you all puzzles to do and spread you all out and you do puzzles and you get going on it? Some of you are really good, so you get down there and you realize as you get about two-thirds of it done that the rest of your puzzle pieces don't actually go to your puzzle. You're like, oh, Pastor Craig again, you know, kind of a thing. And you start looking around and there's other people that are doing the same thing. The really good puzzle people, they've figured it out, right? And all of a sudden you're kind of looking over at your neighbor and going, hey, wait, I got some pieces that work in your puzzle. And the person over there goes, hey, I got some stuff that, that works in your puzzle. And you begin to spread out, you begin to figure out that if you work together, everybody's puzzle gets filled in. That's what this means. We need others to realize our full potential. You will never be all that God wants you to be if you try to do it on your own. And then verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is part of it. Now you are the body of Christ. There's a a problem in in American Christianity uh, because of of English. There's things that don't translate from, from Greek to English. Uh, And one of them is a thing called a second-person plural. You all know what a second-person plural is? So first person is me, second person is you, right? But in English, we would use the word you both to mean mean single and plural, right? I can say you and you. Now, if you spoke Southern, there is a second-person plural. You know what the Southern is? Y'all, right? Don't act like you embrace that, because when I first came here out of Kansas City, I kept using it accidentally. You all were looking at me like, no, you know. Y'all, say y'all. Y'all, that's second person plural. So part of the problem with Americans is when we read the Bible and it says you, we think it's talking to me. But almost always in the New Testament when it says you, it's talking to y'all. And so when he says this, he says, now y'all are part of the body of Christ. Every one of you say y'all again. Oh, that's good. We're getting a little Southern here. Next, we're going to introduce Southern food, which is really good, but not real good for you. So uh, we'll just leave that alone, okay? So then now look at what he does here. Y'all are part of the body of Christ and each one of you, and that word actually means each one of you individually. So when I say y'all are the party of Christ, one of you sitting back there going, oh, I don't know about it. And, and, and he said, yeah, 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 I can't forget you. You're a part of this uh, as, as well, okay? Um, so we, we kind of struggle with this sometimes. And here's the reason, the reason why um, you are each a part of it. Uh, the reason we think of people as single units is that we behave, people behave as a single unit, right? I just gave you all those things about the numbers in your body, but we all behave as a single unit. I don't look at you and go, hey, you know, your knee's not on board today kind of a thing. Or, or if you can imagine, you know, they work together for a goal. If you decide that you're going to go get a cup of coffee, how many of you ever go get a cup of coffee at work or something like that? Y'all do that. Y'all the hands. So, so you have to push away from desk. So I do this about 11 o'clock because I'm like, okay, I need another cup of coffee. You got to push away from your desk. You got to stand up. You got to get your feet walking and you may have to open a door. You got to walk down the hall. Then you got to get the coffee mug there, you know, kind of a thing. And, and you got to pour it into that. And then you got to carefully come back and you got to sit down and, and scooch back up. And you got to, you got to kind of take that, that first drink, right? Okay. But when we do that, we just do that. We don't think about it, right? 
We do not take a survey of our body parts to see if they would go like to go get a cup of coffee. Hey, knees, how you feeling today? You want to kind of push off and maybe we'll get up there, you know? Hey, hey, uh, hands, what do you think? Can we, can we get that cup of coffee? Hands going, man, man, last time it was really hot. You spilled some of that on me. We're not doing coffee because you spilled coffee on me last time, you know? And then you get to take a drink and the mouth's going, oh, no, 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 you burned me last time. The body is not a democracy. Do you know that? The brain tells it what to do. The head tells it what to do. The head decides everything and everybody else falls in line. And I am here to tell you, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And he sets the agenda. And he sets the way we do it. And he can make us go one direction and change his mind and go, I don't know if he changes his mind, but we see it as a change of mind. And he goes another direction. Because here's the deal. In God's kingdom, nobody gets to go rogue. Nobody gets to go rogue. It's all of us. He established the mission and, and he set it forward and we just execute the plan. Uh, imagine if your hand started to do something that argued with one another. They didn't want to get along. So I'm not doing that. You do that. No, you do that. You, it doesn't work like that. You don't get to go rogue. That, that we all become what God would have us to do. The head puts everyone on the same mission and Jesus Christ is head of the church. I want you to say that with me. Jesus Christ is head of the church. Yes. So, God created diversity and calls us to unity by the power of the Holy Spirit. You mentioned that early when I've kind of run over that, where we get to drink the Holy Spirit. And the idea is you take the Holy Spirit into you and the Holy Spirit can change you because you can only do unity in the midst of diversity by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you can do it. Because otherwise we get all focused on what separates us and, and what's different from us. But the Holy Spirit can soften our hearts towards one another. Hear me, church. This is important. The Holy Spirit can soften our hearts towards one another. Whatever that thing is that we have going. The Holy Spirit can call us to forgive when we've been wounded. And I am telling you, there is great spiritual power in forgiveness. And I don't mean just being forgiven. I mean forgiving the one that harmed you. And now let me be real clear here. Forgiving the one that harmed you does nothing for the person that was a perpetrator. It doesn't let them off the hook. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be punished. It does none of that. Forgiveness is the gift that sets us free, the wounded person free, right? The, the, the person that perpetrated has to go through a whole other process of confession and, and repentance and, and all, all, all of that. But there's great power when you can forgive the one that, that hurt us uh, in Christ Jesus. So God loves unity in the midst of diversity because unity in the midst of diversity means you can get so much done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal something about myself that's going to reveal that I'm not a particularly young, young person. How many of you remember the 1980s sitcom, The A-Team? Right? Oh, 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 good. I don't feel so bad now. There's a lot of things about that that were funny. But the, the leader of the group, when it all kind of worked together, used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. Anyone remember that? Yeah. Let's say that together. I love it when a plan comes together. I think that's what God feels like when he sees his church be one. When he sees us work together, I think he's going, I love it when a church comes together. You know, 
amen, that's what he wants out of it. In fact, one of my favorite memories, I've shared this before, of being a pastor. My last church, we had six languages in there, and our, our worship leader spoke Spanish, and so it was always kind of mayhem. But she would shut, the, shut all the instruments down, and we'd get to something, a chorus or something we really all knew, and she would say, I want all of you to sing in your native language. And she would start out in Spanish, so you better catch up, you know. And you could just hear all of the voices of heaven. I think that's what heaven's going to be like. I don't think we lose our diversity when we get to heaven. I think we love one another more when we get to heaven. Amen? I think all of the languages will be there in all of those wonderful sorts of ways. In fact, I, I just I want to read this to you from Psalms. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in peace. It's like the, the special olive oil that was poured on Aaron's head. It ran down on his beard and on the collar of his robe. It's, um, it's as if the dew of Mount Hermon were, uh, sorry, I can't see that one quite so well, were falling on Mount Zion. There the Lord gives his blessing. He gives life that never ends. He gives blessing and he gives life that never ends when God's people are, are living together in peace. Yeah, more of you should have said amen because that's really good news. Let's say amen to that, okay? Okay, so diversity operating in unity is a powerful thing. You know what an army is? An army is diversity, they all got different jobs, okay? operating in unity. They all have the same goal, okay? That, that's what it is. A sports team is diversity. You know, have you ever looked at a football team? You got this like squirrely little guy that's a, a, a split end out there, and you got linemen that are like rocks that kind of sit there. But when they work together, they can do powerful things. Not the Seahawks, but, but you know, other, other ones can do that, you know? So... so. No, they're actually looking better. They're looking better, amen. Okay, so. <laughs> we are all on the same team, but we play different positions. Every one of us has a different call in our life. Differences in our bodies and our muscles and all of those sorts of things, differences in, in our gifts. But we all have different roles, but we all have a role. And I know this to be true. Most of the important parts of the body are unseen. It's true in our body. How many of you have ever seen a hand before? You're looking at one right now, right? You know? So you all, you all seen that. That's, that's, a, that's a common part. Can you live without a hand? Yeah, you can. They wouldn't want to, but you can. How many of you have ever seen a beating heart? Unless you've been a surgery nurse or a doctor or had some sort of opportunity, probably none of you. But if you have to choose between your heart and your hand, you pick... Yeah, your hand is what you pick, because if you give up your heart, they, you know... So, so that the idea here is that, that you, you who are not on the platform, you are the vital organs of the church. I'm seen and people know me, and, and we have a tendency in the church to think that people on the platform are the important ones. They are not the important ones. The vast majority of the work of the kingdom is done by people who never get on the platform. Amen. Amen. So the, he loves this idea of, of the unseen. And then just to wrap it up, Jesus needs you to fulfill your purpose. Amen? You have a part. I don't know. Maybe you're a kneecap. Maybe you're a toe. You know, we think of toes as not being all that important. Do you know that if you cut off all your toes, you can't really walk because you can't balance? Man, I thought the only purpose of my little toe was to line the bed at night when I was asleep, you know. Ow! There's so many parts of it. 
I don't know what your gift is. And we're going to sing in just a minute if our, our worship band uh, can come. So here's the question I always ask. What is Jesus asking you to do with what you heard today? Can I be frank? We need people to step up and volunteer because as we're coming back as a church, it's not even. You know, before COVID, we had all these volunteers and then you don't have the right volunteers and you got to figure all that. We need that you to step up and volunteer. But that's not why I'm preaching this sermon. I'm preaching this sermon because you need to exercise the part of the body that you are because that's a spiritual issue. Our need for volunteers is an organizational issue. But the need to be what, call, what Christ called you to be and equipped you to be, that's a spiritual issue. That matters for eternity. And so we're going to come in just a minute. And Christina, if you could come down and be our, our female elder, I'm going to step here. And if you would like to pray, I would encourage you, you can pray here at the, uh, on the, the front pew. That's a little more comfortable. You can pray right down here. Uh, Christina will be over here if you'd like a, a woman to pray for you. And I'll be over here if you'd like a guy to pray for you. But this is important. Not, not, and it always feels weird as a pastor because it feels awkward like I'm doing recruiting and trying to dress it up spiritually. It's actually the opposite. There's a spiritual issue here that when we get it right, the body of Christ just works better. Amen? So I'm asking you, what does God want you to do with what you've heard today? Let's, uh, let's, let me pray and then we'll sing. Father God, Lord, I just know this is so important. I know that engagement in the kingdom of God is just really what makes so much of this work for us. And so I I pray, Father, now that you would speak to each of us. What what do we need to do? Maybe we need to stop doing something that's really not our thing and start doing something that is, Father. That's good. Father, I'm more than happy to receive those kinds of resignations. But I pray, Father, you'd make us a church that is keenly aware that we are the body. And my job may not be what someone else's job is, and my job may not seem all that important, but it matters because it's your body. Make us into the body of Christ, I pray. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.